And if you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to the book of Habakkuk, it's probably your favorite book in all of Scripture. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, no worries, we got one for you right there in your pews. You'll find a, a, a Bible. It's on page 737, uh, this little book, this minor prophet uh, in the Old Testament, Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I'm not exactly sure uh, how he uh, pronounces his name. But today we begin a new journey, a new sermon series. It's called Faithfulness Amid the Ruins. Um, it's such a perfect timing for where we find ourselves to look at this, look at God's Word, to find some answers and to find some hope and some light in the darkness. Recently, I was speaking uh, on a Friday morning to my Maitland Men's Club, a club that I have joy and joy, I love being a part of. Uh, they've made me their chaplain, which I love because I don't have to pay any dues. Uh, they just call me chaplain, and I, I'm there. I get a free breakfast. If you know me, I love free food, and so that's awesome. And, and uh, some great guys, and I might have mentioned this to you in the past. I mean, a group of guys who, uh, interesting, every, every time we gather, I say a prayer, or someone says a prayer, and we say the Pledge of Allegiance. And so when's the last time you said that? And so it's a different uh, group, a great group. Uh, and they usually ask me to speak a couple of times a year. Usually like that Easter Christmas slot is mine. Uh, you know, you come in and, and kind of remind them of a Christian message. And so uh, just this last time I was sharing uh, a talk about we're living in this in-between world. We're living in the in-between two appearances of Christ Jesus. And I, and I preached this to you a few months ago, or actually right between Christmas and New Year's, that we're in this tweener time. And tweeners are often difficult times. That Christ Jesus has come to rescue sinners. Woohoo! And we're really excited about that. But he hasn't come back and the story's not complete. And so we still got all this brokenness. We have some despair. And there's a lot of junk in our lives. And there's a lot of junk in the world. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. And there's such a joy with that. But, but, but there's so much struggle. What's going on? So it's this in-between we find ourselves. And so... I was waxing and waning pretty good that morning and got done. And, and one of the, uh, the members came up to me and he said, as if I know, what is God doing in the world? Why, why isn't he doing more? I mean, look around. I mean, look what is happening. L look at the despair. Look at the divide. Uh, matter of fact, just recently I read a New York Times article that says even evangelicals are being divided. I mean, like never before, we're being divided over masks, no masks, van, uh, vac vaccinations, no vax, you know? I mean, politically, we've been divided. There's so much divide. He's like, what is God doing? Uh, and as if, like, I had an answer. You know, it's like, well, he's God. Um, and at the time, I happened to be reading in the book of Habakkuk. And I'm just thinking, wow, it's amazing as as you look at what was happening in Habakkuk's time, it reminded me of so many questions that Habakkuk was asking were almost identical to the questions that my friend was asking. And I guarantee you, he's not the only one asking them. He's not the only one asking, you know, what's going on? God, where are you? There are times in our life where we feel like God is giving us the silent treatment. Is it not true? I mean, isn't there times that you feel like, okay, God, uh, are you mad at me? Uh, am I being punished? Uh, I mean, what's, what's going on here? Are you giving me the, the silent treatment? It feels sometimes like God has stopped listening to us. Uh, worse than that, it feels like times there's God has stopped paying attention to us. And we cry out, oh God, oh God, turn your face toward us. Let it shine. Be gracious uh, to us. There's times we wonder, oh, it's terrible to wonder this. Does God care? 
Does God really care for us? I mean, that silent treatment. And then there's also times that are almost worse uh, where we feel that God's actions are quite puzzling. You're wondering, what in the world are you doing? Here's what Scripture teaches, and it's true. God is something called sovereign, which means this. Watch this. God is in control of all things. There's not one atom in all of the universe that he's not in control of. If that's not true, he's not God, and we're really in trouble, right? So we got a God who's almighty in control of all things, and yet we have a world that seems so out of control. Put those things together. God in control, world out of control. How does that work? You want to say what's going on. What is God doing? And some of the things that he does are so seemingly landed. If God, you're in control, and this is happening, can, can we really trust you? I mean, can we count on you? Uh, can we rely on you? Uh, where is that great is thy faithfulness that we sang about? I mean, morning by morning, new mercies we see, and sometimes it's really hard to see those mercies, isn't it? I mean, sometimes all we see is the junk in our lives, the brokenness around us, within us. Well, this morning, as we begin that sermon series in the book of Habakkuk, it's a minor prophet. I'll tell you more about that in the Old Testament. And to help us answer these kind of questions. He struggled with them then. We're struggling with them now. So here's what we're going to look, look at this morning. I'm going to give you a brief intro to the book of Habakkuk. Um, we're going to see God's deafening silence. We're going to see God's puzzling answer. And we're going to see faithfulness amidst the ruins. Um, I was so proud of our man Charlie last week. Did he not crank it out of the park last week? Great job preaching. Uh, he preached on Psalm 13, which is a lament. And so much, it, it's a perfect connection to where I am uh, going today. Uh, it too is a lament, crying out, saying, how long, O Lord? So let's hear God's word in Habakkuk 1. It's only three chapters. Uh, we're going to make our way through this in about five weeks. Um, you're not going to get all the answers today, but we'll get a lot of them. And uh, uh, this is an amazing word of the Lord. So hear the word of the Lord in Habakkuk 1. I'm going to read this morning. Our text is chapter, verses 1, 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Real quick, interesting word, oracle. It also means burden. He's basically saying, this is my burden. This is what I'm seeing. I got this burden. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so right, uh, justice goes forth perverted. The Lord answers, Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am rising up the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own, that are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. 
Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. That's a good answer. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. And Father, this is an ancient book written a long time ago, and it makes no sense to us unless you're the teacher. It makes no sense to our lives and no impact on our lives unless the Spirit of God here is among us. So God, do that which only you can do. Speak through a broken sinner like me. Oh God, give us ears to hear your voice and minds that understand your word, this, this prophet Habakkuk for so long ago. Oh God, graciously gives us hearts that embrace your truth. And God, in the midst of the ruins, amid the ruins of our lives and our world, may we walk in faithfulness before you. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain that good news of the gospel, use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus. And it's in his matchless name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're starting off, so let me give you a quick intro into the book of Habakkuk. We're going to just spend a minute and say, who is Habakkuk? Uh, how does Habakkuk fit in the story of the Bible? What is happening in the book of Habakkuk? And why does Habakkuk matter to us? So I'm going to address that, okay? Because I think it's important. If we're going to be there, how does this fit with us? Well, who is Habakkuk? Habakkuk is a prophet of God with a very unusual name. Uh, but what is a prophet? There are three offices in the Old Testament that we see that God raises up to do the majority of his work. We have a prophet, a priest, and a king. And a prophet is one who represents God. Now hang in there. A prophet is one who represents God to, his, to the people. Uh, so he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak on God's behalf. So when we read things like Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, the different prophets, and they say things like this, Thus saith the Lord. God has raised him up. Uh, God is going to use him as a representative to represent God to the people. By the way, really quickly, a priest is somebody who basically represents the people to God through sacrifices. And he's like, okay, God, if you look at the high priest, he's got all the names of the peoples, the tribes on there. So say, I'm representing the people and my sins to you. And a king rules for God. But here you have a prophet, and prophets do this. They speak, thus saith the Lord. They speak, they say, hey, listen, you guys are messing up, or this is going to happen, or, or, or watch out. So that's what a prophet does. But Habakkuk doesn't speak uh, for God so much. He speaks directly to God. This is very interesting about this prophet. He's having a dialogue with God. It's not so much that he's having a dialogue with the nation Israel or, or those in Judea, Judah. Uh, he's crying out directly to God. And he uses the language of lament. Uh, it's a language that we all could kind of understand in the times of emptiness and brokenness. It's lament. It cries out and says, God, how come? God, how long? God, what in the world is going on? Habakkuk is just three short chapters, and in these three chapters, he lodges two complaints. There's two complaints he's going to make against God, and guess what? God's going to answer them. The answer is a little weird, 
and the answer is a little puzzling, but you got two complaints, two answers, followed by five woes. Woe to you. Uh, after that, there will be a prayer, and this is chapter 3, and the prayer is more like a psalm. It's, a, it's probably sung. And then you have one of the most amazing proclamations of faith in all of Scripture. You have, it's, it's incredible. It's the very end of the book. The last two chapters are going to say, even if I got nothing, even if everything fails, even if my checking account is empty and my home is empty and I have no job, I'm going to say, praise be to my God. Blessed be his name. That's where he's going to land. Now, that's where he lands. That's not where he starts, is it? He starts off by saying, how long, O Lord? What in the world are you doing? So where does the book of Habakkuk fit in the Bible? Well, he's called a minor prophet. And remember, there's major and minor prophets. And it doesn't mean one's better than the other. It just means one wrote more than the other. So he lived in what was known as the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel is already in exile. They're gone because of their sinfulness. He lived in about 600 years before Jesus. Um, and here's where he lived. He lived in the, in the last few decades, right before destruction, right before exile. That's when he lived. He lived, and he lived in a time where uh, God's people were going to be destroyed and sent into exile. Um, so what is happening in the book of Habakkuk? God's people are living like they're their own gods, or there is no God. They're living as if God was not among them and God didn't care. These are God's people gone wild. They would have had an incredible sermon or, or incredible TV show series. God's people gone wild right here uh, in, in, in Israel. Right here in Jerusalem, these are God's people gone wild. Why? Because they're violent. They're destructive. Iniquity, strife, and contention hit pause. Does it sound like us today? Violent, destructive, iniquity, strife, contention. It says this, God's law, this is God's people, and God's law was paralyzed. Huh. God's law was like restricted because no one cared, and they weren't listening, and they were living any way they wanted to. Not only that, God's justice was stifled and perverted. Those in power were taking care of themselves. Those who were weak were being manipulated and, and, and it was awful. God's justice was not only stifled, it was perverted. Does this sound a little bit like our day? You look around and say, wow, I mean, wh wh where's the justice? Uh, where's God's law? What, what's, what's going on? Um, so why does Habakkuk uh, matter to us? Well, we too are living in these kind of times, these dark times. But here's the beautiful thing. We look closely and we're going to see faithfulness. Faithfulness in the midst of the ruins. That's what every one of us needs to have in our life. We need to know, is there faithfulness amidst the ruins? When my life falls apart, when the world isn't what I thought it would be, when everything is upside down, and I cry out, where is God? Let me find that faithfulness. We're going to see faithfulness to, of God amid the ruins, and we're also going to see that the righteous are to live by faith amid the ruins. It's one of the most, one of the most important uh, truths of Scripture. Right here in Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. And that comes to us. Okay, so that's a little bit of a background. So let me, let me start off by saying, the first thing you'll hear is this, God's deafening silence in verses 1 through 7. God's can be, cannot silence sometimes be deafening. Solitary confinement. It's like the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. Put them alone. Give them silence. It will drive you 
crazy. Getting the silent treatment. Now, I know that you are godly people. I'm sure you never give the silent treatment to those you love. But let me hypothetically ask, have you ever experienced the silent treatment from somebody you love? Have you ever had that silent treatment? And sometimes you're like, just scream at me, yell at me. I mean, don't give me the silent treatment. Let it come out, you know. The silent treatment, I don't know what I'm dealing with. Silence is deafening sometimes, is it not? Because you really think, do you care? I mean, speak. Say something. So getting the silent treatment from someone you love is not easy, right? I mean, that's some of the most painful and confusing things. Habakkuk was seeing so much sin and suffering around him, so much violence, so much injustice, and he was crying out to God. He's like, hello, God. Hello. Hello. Hello, God. Are you seeing this? I mean, God, how do you not see what I see? God, are you okay with this? Are you serious? You're you're like going to just sit there passively, God? You're you're watching what's, you're watching the news right now? Are, Are you missing this? Why why are you doing something about this? So he's crying out. And here's what he says. How long will you, God? Have you ever said that to God? How long? How long will you not do this, God? How long? How long will you not hear me? How how long are you going to sit there idly and just watch? How long will you, God? How long will you not hear me, Lord? And he says, how long will you not save us? You're going to leave us like this? Come on. How long, he asked the question, how long will you, God? And he says, why do you, God? God, why do you do this? Why do you let me see the iniquity all around me? And why do you, why do you apparently like sit idly by? Why? How long, the Lord, and why do you, Lord? Why? I'm telling you what, we got we to unpack this. Let's, 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 let's unpack this for me because we can't just run past this. When you ask the question, why to God? There are three things that could be true about God that we got to make sure that we know. The first one is this. Why, God? Is it because, God, you're ignorant? God, you really don't know what's happening? God, you, you, you really don't see what's happening? God, you're, you're so somehow far away that you're not really aware of what's happening? God, are you ignorant? Man, if that's the case, we're in trouble, right? I mean, is he an all-knowing God? So the second, the second reason it could be why is that, God, you're ambivalent. God, do you really not care? Do you see it all and just say, you know what, mm, uh, I got some other things to do. Yeah, I see it, but nah, it's not, it's not worth my time, my interest. Uh, I see it, I'm ambivalent. Can you imagine if God looks at us and looks at the world as ambivalent? And just as it's kind of like, mm, ah, too much of a hassle there. No, it's, it can't be that, right? Or is it God's, an imp- he's impotent. He doesn't have any power. Oh, he sees it and he, and he cares about it, but he just doesn't have the power to act. He can't change anything because if he could, he would. Well, here's what Scripture teaches us. That God is a God who sees. In the Hebrew, it's El Roy. It's, it's a God who sees. And the first time he describes himself as a God who sees is one of the most beautiful, heart-wrenching story of a slave girl by the name of Hagar and her son named Ishmael, who aren't a part of God's chosen people. And she's kind of pushed out of community, and she's, she's with her son dying on her own. And then God provides. And she says, oh my goodness, God sees. God is a God who sees. 
I want you to know this. God sees more than you do. He sees you. He sees your junk. He sees the things that sin has kept you from seeing. He sees your situation. He sees your feelings. He, he sees the reality of your life. He sees the brokenness. He sees the emptiness. He sees it all. Our God is a God who sees, but there's more than that. Our God is a God who cares. My favorite Hebrew word is the word hesed, and it's, tra it's translated loving kindness. It's God's loving kindness, and it's a word that says it's, it's, it's a covenant loving God who keeps his promises. And, it, and it's the Psalm 136 that says over and over and over again, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. It's like a drum. Why beat that thing so many times? Because we forget. So listen, listen to this, Psalm 136. And I'm only going to read you a couple of verses. It goes way beyond this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his steadfast love endures forever. And it's going to give you a, a description. And it's going to say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let me make sure you know that God is loving. Okay, so he sees and, he's, and he cares. Well, is he powerful? God is, God is almighty. He's El Shaddai. El Shaddai means mighty God. He's El Gabor, which means mighty God. God is omnipotent. He's able to do all things. So let me help you help me. Let's together look at this formula. He's a seeing God, plus he's a caring God, plus he's an able God. So therefore, why are we in this junk, right? There, you look at your reality, you look at your circumstances, where we are in life, and you cry out, how come? How long? You see, you care, and you have the power to act. What is happening here? So God gives an answer to Habakkuk. Now picture this. This is a prophet of God living with God's people, and things are bad. And he says, God, you know, how long are you going to be silent? How long are you just going to sit idly by? And God says, oh, I'm not sitting idly by. But God gives a puzzling answer. Now listen to this. If God's silence was deafening, God's answer was maddening. I mean, it was maddening. I mean, it's, I mean seriously, it's like craziness. He says, look and see. I'm doing something that your eyes are not going to believe. I'm, I, I'm doing something. You, you think I'm sitting idly by? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm doing something. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. I, I got the enemies. I got the bad guys. Uh, so for some of you, I got the Republicans. So for some, I got the Democrats. For some, is I got this country or that. I'm raising up the bad guys. That's what I'm doing. I, I got them coming up. Uh, I have the Babylonians. By the way, they're a bitter and ha hasty, a nasty nation. Uh, they are those people who are ruthless and they're godless. Um, and, and not only that, their God is their might. And by the way, they're going to do my work. What? What? God, they're going to do your work? And you want to ask the question, I bet you've been there, how could you, God? How could you? Or maybe the question is, why would you, God? Why would you use them? Why, why, why raise up them? They're ruthless. I mean, they're, they're, they're evil. I, are you kidding me? What are you doing? And I, I got to tell you, uh, the, what, what I run to is comfort. God gives us his word. He says, let's, he says this in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Listen to these words. God's ways are not our ways. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He's basically saying, God is saying, I'm God and you're not. And I got a plan that you don't understand, and I'm doing my deal. Do you believe it? If you're here and you've been around Christianity and the Bible, I bet you at one time in your life your favorite verse was Romans 8.28. I bet you that almost everybody here, John 3.16 and Romans 8.28 are probably the two that Christians love to have. So here's what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that for those who God has loved, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, what a great thing. Everything in your life is going to work together for the good. Well, how does that work? Really? You see, God defines good. God is a good God, and he defines good. And i got to tell you the truth. My good and God's good are not always the same. I've had my good and God's good, I mean, go toe-to-toe. My wife had cancer in 2009. It went toe-to-toe. Our life fell apart about four years ago. We went toe-to-toe. So, I mean, there, there, there's, there, there's what I consider good, and there's what God says is good. And there's the psalmist will say, it was good for me that I was afflicted. I might learn your praises, I might learn your statutes. I mean, what is good? And I, I, I got to tell you, in the Jake's life, we're not, we're not sitting around there, man, man, that cancer deal, that was so good. Woo! So glad we had that. No, we're saying, man, we saw God show up in ways we never, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, he was at our dining room table before her surgery. I mean, I've never felt the presence of God like it in my life. But am I ready to say it was good? Hmm. But I know it was. I mean, there's ways that I've been afflicted. There's been ways that, that and again, I'm, compared to many, it's been nothing. But I say, God, this is good. This is good. God's timing is not always our timing. You know, he is the only being that's eternal. Think about this. He's the only being who can see the whole picture at once. He's the only one who has his perspective. No one else is God's perspective. The rest of us knuckleheads, we're journeying through time, right? Perspective is everything. If you can see the whole picture, I love the fact I can read you Habakkuk. I can study the commentaries. I can tell you where he fits in the story. And I can tell you Habakkuk lived before Jesus came. And he didn't know the hope. He was praying for the hope of the Messiah. But he didn't really fully realize all that Jesus did. And I'm sitting here and I can look back through the cross. And I can see his life. And I can understand so much about him because I got perspective. I know that, yes, Israel and Judea, Judah is going to be destroyed. I know God's people are going to be sent into exile, but I know God's going to do something amazing because he's sending his son, his Messiah, and he's going to make all things new. I got perspective because I can see the reality of that. But I lose perspectives. I can't see tomorrow. And I don't know what's around the corner, but God does. And God does, and then we got to kind of walk by this faith thing and realize his timing is not our timing. One of, of C.S. Lewis, what an incredible writer. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And in, in that story, Aslan uh, is a lion who portrays the Christ figure. Um, and he's roaming around. And, and the question is asked of, of Aslan, the Christ figure, who's a lion? Is he safe? 
And this little beaver character comes up and says, is he safe? He's a lion. No. But he's good. But he's good. Is God safe? I mean, is, is, is God safe? He's good. Our hopes and dreams, watch this. This is hard, but here's the truth. Our hopes and our dreams are not always safe with him. Because God's will be done. Not ours. I mean, the things that we love and we cherish, that we want to hang on to, that we plead with God, don't take that. Don't touch this. Don't mess with that. Is, is, is he safe? Well, I can't tell you this. He is safe in the sense that our lives are in nail-pierced hands and there's the most safe, glorious, beautiful place that you could ever be is in the arms of the Messiah who has died and was resurrected for you. You and I are safe in Christ Jesus. The gates of hell can't tear us away. Death can't tear us away. Our sin can't tear us away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If that is safe, you are eternally safe. But if you think your retirement, your children, your marriage, and all these things in life are safe from the enemy to attack or safe from the world to try to get to, no. We build our lives on Christ, the solid rock. Why? So what's the point? We live by faith. That's, that's the point. We live by faith. Lastly, faithfulness amid the ruins. The righteous will live by faith amid the ruins. This is what Habakkuk 2.4 says. We haven't gotten there yet. But this is what the, one of the most important verses in all of Scripture came out of this little book. The most important thing, it says this, the righteous will live by faith. This, this ignited Martin Luther in the Reformation. This ignited Paul in the reality of the gospel. I mean, this, this ignites our lives, that, that we are to live by faith. Righteousness is given to us by God's grace through faith. None of us are righteous. We're given that gift by God's grace through faith. And now we are to live by faith. But we are not only live by faith, we have a righteous God who's faithful amid the ruins. We're going to close with this one passage of Lamentations 3. In the midst of the darkest days for God's people in the Old Testament, Jeremiah writes, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love, my favorite Hebrew word, hesed, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I'll hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God has been faithful. God will be faithful. He'll always be faithful to us. And I guarantee you there'll be days that you wake up and say, I don't see it. I don't feel it. But the reality is, it's God's faithfulness amidst the ruins. Walk in faith. We're going to journey together uh, through this book. We've only just begun. We're going to see his second complaint next week. It was worse than the first one. The silence of God was nothing compared to the answer of God. Um, journey with us. But in the meantime, be safe in the nail-pierced hands. Walk in faith. What a journey. Amen? Let's pray.
Oh, Father God, I thank you for your grace and mercy that tells us to walk by faith because the reality is if we walk by sight, we'd get it so wrong. When things look good, we'd forget you, and when things look bad, we'd, we'd change our mind about you. Uh, God, uh, if we try to define you by our circumstances, we'll always get it wrong because we're seeing you through our tears and through our brokenness. We need to see you through the gospel and through your word and the reality of the fact that you are a good God who's always faithful and true. And God, some of us desperately, desperately need to know that God is in the building and he cares and he's faithful. And all of us desperately need to know what does it look like to live by faith? Faith in a God who will always be faithful when our circumstances tell us something different. Oh God, we thank you for a cross. We thank you for an empty tomb. We thank you for a Savior that lives and for living hope. Oh God, build your church and may we be a people walking by faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen.